As you know, we're, we've been talking about Sunday, we reintroduced a thought that I had a, a couple of, a few Sundays ago as I was preparing to come to church. God really spoke a word, seemed like to drop a word in my heart. How many of you know there's sometimes just a rhema word that drops in your heart? It means it's, it's, it's a, a spirit-directed word that God speaks in your heart. You ever had that happen to you, something? It's just, you know, you might say, I just knew in my knower. How many of you got a knower? Where all of a sudden you just know God's saying something to you. He's speaking to you. He's directing your path. Well, that happened to me a few Sundays ago and it had reference to praying for the house. You know, Jesus talked about his church like a house. In fact, oh, there's all kinds of illustrations about the church. It's a body. It's a house. It's a building. It's a, just a lot of different things. And all of those descriptives are, are descriptive words to, to, to kind of illustrate the real organic connectedness of the body of Christ. And Jesus talked about the house. And in fact, he talked about marriages. You know, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And so it's like a, it's like a marriage. And so there's so many illustrations. But he said, he said about his house, he said, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. That's one of the, the should be one of the identifying markers of God's people that, that we're in fellowship with God and we're praying and we're not just, you know, walking around enjoying the goodness of the Lord, but we're making a difference. And how many of you know prayer uh, can change things dramatically in the atmosphere? Amen. The spiritual atmosphere, it's, it's, it, it, can, it can supernaturally bring breakthrough in your life and, and uh, so many different things. In fact, let me re-recommend a book. If, you, if you're a reader, I would encourage you. I'm reading it through really slow. I'm resisting uh, the temptation to read through it fast. It's a book by, I think his name is Mark Batterson. He pastors a church in Washington, D.C., right in downtown area. Uh, and has a great story. He wrote a book for you guys who've ever seen the book uh, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Uh, but uh, this book's called The Circle Makers. It's really about prayer and about really lifting the lid in our prayer life. Uh, and it'll, it'll really build your faith to make a big difference. And I'm, I'm learning so much. I, you know, I've been praying for a while now, but I'm learning some new things about prayer that just excite me. And, and I'm slowly beginning to digest some of the thoughts. And that book came along as God was speaking to me about us praying for the house. So, so I really believe God's doing something in me along the lines of prayer. But I hope he's doing the same with you and that he's stirring the prayer fire in your life. Where you just begin to become what he wants you to be, a house of prayer. And, and uh, Jesus in John 17, and one of, this was Sunday, was just on our illustration that, hey, it's biblical to pray for the church. Amen. Uh, you know, we think, well, the ch- uh, I pray for my family. I pray for them. But how many of you know, as a family of God, we need to undergird the church of God with prayer. And we see Jesus in John 17 praying for the future church. And then in Paul the apostle and many of the epistles, uh, when he would begin his letter, he would say, you know, I'm praying for you. And then he would pray. In fact, we'll probably look at one of Paul's prayers, I think, to the Ephesians. It's pretty detailed prayer. Uh, how he prayed for the church there. And so on Wednesday nights, as, as we walk through this prayer emphasis in the month of uh, January, February, March, uh, on Wednesday night, we're going to just look at some of these prayers where, where uh, uh, Paul prayed for the church. We may look at uh, uh, Nehemiah's prayer there in Nehemiah 1, certainly a great illustration of how we need to pray for the church. And so tonight we're going to look at Jesus' prayer for his house in John 17. In fact, the whole chapter is a prayer uh, to God. And, and 
one of the most detailed prayers you'll, you'll see. You know, Jesus prayed uh, uh, in different places. But here, as he's preparing to leave, he's beginning to talk to God about being going back to heaven. And, and, and he's talking to his father. But in this prayer, I have identified uh, probably five important elements of his prayer for us. In fact, you'll see in a moment uh, that uh, uh, he didn't just pray for the disciples there in that hour. He prayed for us as well. And so what I want us to do tonight, I'm going to read these entire 26 verses. And then I'll just show you these five things. And then we'll end with a real understanding of why he prayed these things over us. Are you ready? Here we go. John 17. I'm going to read the entire prayer just to give us some context and here we go. Jesus spoke, these, uh, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. <coughs> Pardon me. He said, I have glorified you in the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Let me pause there. What did he say on Calvary's cross? It is what? Finished. Now, that was the ultimate finish, uh, but he was coming to the close of his earthly ministry, and he said, I've finished the work that you've called me to do. It was really the work uh, uh, of uh, raising up disciples and establishing a precedent for their future success. And so this is the context. And he goes on to say, verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In other words, I'm, in, I'm ready to be back at my glor- in my glorified state in heaven with you, seated at the right hand of God. I've manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I just want to pause and say, man, Paul, uh, Jesus has given a great testimony to this, this early embryonic church, these disciples, to God the Father. He said, man, they're getting it. They've get, they're getting it. They're, they're, they're getting ready. They're ready. Uh, and he goes on to say, uh, uh, oh, where did I stop? Verse 8, verse 9. Here we go. Here's, the, here's where he starts praying for them. I pray for them. And catch what he says. I don't pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all, and all, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. And here he's praying for the, uh, these disciples and for the early church. He says, keep through your name those whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. 
Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. He went on to say, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will, who will believe in me through their word. That they, may all, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And, that, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I've given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, I would encourage you to take this prayer home with you and just begin to really digest all that is in here. Two key verses I want you to see uh, uh, are on the screen. Verse 9, he said, I pray for them. I don't pray for the world, but for those who you've given me, for they are yours. We'll come back to that later. And then he says, I don't pray for these alone. In other words, these 12 disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. How many of you know that's us? Jesus is praying not just for his disciples there in that hour, but for future disciples. How many of you know that's just a precedent in and of itself? You know, that, that we, can, we can impact future generations at the place of prayer. Amen? How many of you think that's pretty awesome? You're, you know, I've got three grandkids, one still in the womb, but how many of you know... I was praying for those kids even before they were ever a twinkle in their daddy's eye because I knew that would be the case someday. And we can make a difference even out into future space. And that's what Jesus is doing here. And we'll see that. So, so there's, there's the prayer. And I have identified, you know, he's talking to God about he and God and his relationship with God. But then he starts talking about these disciples and he brags on them to God. But then he prays for this embryonic church and basically five uh, seemingly separate type prayers really all dovetail together for one big purpose. We'll see that in a moment. But, so let me identify these, these five uh, prayers that Jesus prayed uh, for us, really, for the, uh, for the church, for the house, the future house. The first one is this. He prayed a prayer of protection. Amen. As we dissect and digest this prayer, we see that he prayed a prayer over us that God would keep us and protect us. Look in verse 11 again. He said, I am, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given to me, that they may be one as we are one. He's praying that God would keep them and take care of them. Look down in verse uh, 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should what? Keep them from the evil one. How many of you know, Here, think about church future. Think about what's about to happen. The church is about to, uh, to, to break, uh, bust wide open in Acts chapter 2. Just not many days from this prayer. And one of the first things he prays for us, God protect them. How many of you appreciate that about Jesus? 
He prayed a prayer of protection over us. That word keep means to watch or to guard. Uh, and I love the old hymn. That, uh, some of you may know it or may not. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. His eye is upon us. That's what really that word keep, to watch. Keep your eye upon. And here's, here's Jesus and these disciples and these future disciples and this future church, God. I'm praying that you would keep your eye on them and watch over them and protect them and guard them from the evil one. How many of you know Jesus had firsthand experience with the evil one? Remember when he went into the wilderness, was tempted by the devil? He knew the power of temptation. He knew the powerful influence of the devil. And he's praying over us that God would protect us. Amen. And it says through your, that verse 11 says, through your name. Now I love that. When he says through your name, he said, keep them. Uh, in verse 11, uh, he says, keep them uh, through your name, those who you have given me. Through your name, really that word through uh, means in a f- through your name. And you put all these words together, it kind of comes out like this. Uh, keep them fixed in the authority of God's identity or Christ's identity, which is the power of his name. Uh, and he's praying, Lord, keep them fixed. In and under the authority of the name of Jesus. How many of you know, as a child of God, we have authority? And when you look at the name of the Lord, everyone say the name of the Lord. When you look at the name of God and Jesus, the first century disciples, you look through Acts, Acts chapter 3, 4, and 16, and many other places, these first century disciples understood the authority they had in the name of the Lord as a submitted follower of the name of the Lord. I, I think of, of uh, Peter and John on their way to the temple to pray in Acts chapter 3. There's the one begging alms. And what did Peter say? He said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have. Everyone say, what I do have. See, there was something he had. He was operating in and under... <coughs> Pardon me, the authority of the name of Jesus as a child of God. And how many of you know when you have the authority of God, you're under the protective edge of God in your life. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, as we learn more about who we are in Christ and the authority we have as a child of God, it will establish a greater hedge of protection over our life. We'll be able to keep at bay the evil one through our power and authority we have in Christ. Amen. And so it was a prayer of protection. <coughs> in the name of, uh, and, and as the disciples began to operate in the authority of the name of Jesus, guess what? God began to show up in power and authority in their life. And as you read through Acts, you'll see that. In, flat, in fact, Philippians chapter 2, what, uh, what, what's Philippians 2 say about the name of Jesus? It says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's, he, it says he exalted Jesus above every other power and his name is above every other name he's final authority and how many of you know that is that that just makes me feel better how about you when we think about oh there's evil in the world yes but we have authority in the name of jesus amen hallelujah it was a prayer of protection i love what jesus prayed over peter and how many of you know peter blew it he blew it but you know what jesus said to peter even before he blew it he said I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. 
And how many of you know his faith kind of failed a little bit when he denied the Lord? But it was not a final uh, 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 failure in his life. And you know Jesus came back into his life. But and you know Jesus even knew what was going to happen in Peter's life. He said, I've prayed for you that your faith not fail. This is Luke twenty two thirty two, And he said, and when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. He said, I know you're going to stumble a little bit. But I'm praying over you that God would divinely protect you. And the, and the, uh, the, the, the slip up that I know you're going to make, uh, it will not be final. God will ultimately use it for, your, for his glory in your life. And when you return to me, strengthen Strengthen the brethren. See, Jesus cared about Peter, and he prayed a prayer of protection over him, even when he knew he was going to stumble. Because what did he say to Peter? He said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. So he knew he was going to stumble, but Jesus is praying him through it. Amen. How many of you appreciate that? Woo! How many of you know Jesus knew when you were going to make a mistake? And he's praying, I'm praying, oh, I'm praying for you. And as we close out tonight, you'll understand he's still praying for you. So it's a prayer of protection. I appreciate that. And I'm going to go to the end for just a second. I'll quote it again because I want to affirm this at every point. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So right now, Jesus is still praying for us. You get it? And I got a feeling if he thought it was important back 2,000 plus years ago to pray it over his disciples and pray that kind of prayer over Peter. I got a feeling that he's still there, uh, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, praying and interceding for us and praying this same type of prayer protection over us. And even when we're in a place where we, he knows we're going to stumble and fall, he's praying that ultimately our faith would not fail. Does that make you feel better? Makes me feel good. He's praying us through. It's a prayer protection. Number two. In this prayer in John 17, it's a prayer of sanctification. That's a big word, but look what he says in verse 17. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, let me give you a little quick study on sanctification. You know, just the basic meaning means to set apart. But when you study sanctification in this word sanctify, uh, you'll find that, uh, that it means to be set apart, holy and consecrated and righteous before God. And, and Jesus is praying for the church. He prayed for them then that, that God would sanctify them. Now, remember the two words? Everyone say justification. Come on, everybody say Justification. How many of you know that God declares us justified? That means just as if I'd never sinned. Do you appreciate that? He washes the slate clean. When you gave your life to Christ and Jesus came into your heart, the Bible says you were automatically what? Come on, somebody say it. Justified. You were declared righteous just as if I'd never sinned. And that is automatic. And we, we, can, we can trust in by faith. In fact, the Bible says by faith we are justified. In other words, it's not working for it. And you don't have to earn being, you don't have to work towards being good. You are justified. But then this word comes along right on the, you know, uh, after that justification pro, uh, happens in our life, it's sanctification. And that, as I always say, is a what? It's a process. And so when Jesus is praying for the 
church. He knows that sanctification, really you could say it's becoming more like Christ. That process of, of becoming holy and righteous and, and, and sanctified and, and purified and, and, and holy before God and set apart for his kingdom purpose. That's a process. Everyone say it's a process. And so here we find Jesus praying for the church that God would protect them. But then he he realizes now I'm going to pray that God would sanctify them, that this process would continue. And then he says how it's going to happen in John 17. What does he say? Sanctify them by your what? Truth. Everyone say by your truth. And then he just clarifies it in case there's anybody that doesn't understand. Your word is truth. If you have your Bible tonight, I want you to, uh, you know, you, you just kind of hold it, whether it's a, on your phone or, you know, in the book here. I, listen, listen to me. This word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a powerful uh, 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 tool in the hands of God and his people to move us to a place of becoming more and more holy and righteous. And he says, God, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In other words, you know, when we cooperate with God and his word and we let his word begin to uh, live and operate and we study it and we embrace his word in our life, it just keeps the process moving in our life to become more and more like him. If we forsake his word, how many of you know the process of sanctification is stifled in our life? That's what Jesus said in John 8, uh, 31, 32. If you abide in me, uh, uh, guess what happens? You're his disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set him free. The word of God, if you abide in my word, uh, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That kind of sounds like sanctification happening in our life. Amen. Bringing us more and more into the image of Christ and making us more and more like God. And in fact, if you remember Ephesians chapter 5, if you uh, you're know much about uh, Ephesians 5, most people use it as a wedding verse. In fact, I do all the time. It's where husbands love your wives and Uh, wives respect your husbands and all the things about husbands and wives but there is a truth hidden here that he says this about what he does for the church it says in uh, oh let's see verse 25 it says husband love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Now, he's talking about how Jesus, in his word, cleanses our life. And he's, it's an illustration. Hey, husbands, love your wives and let the word of God be made, precedent, made, made to be a, a precedent and a, and, a, and a foundation in your life. What does it do? It sanctifies and cleanses. Amen. Somebody say amen. Just letting the word wash over me. And Jesus prayed for the church. Let the word of God wash over them. How many of you know it's hard for the word to wash over you unless you're in the word, reading the word, meditating on the word, studying the word? You know, you can't do this and it help you any, can you, Jim? You can't just go, mm, I got the word on my head, it doesn't work, does it? You got to let it in your heart, amen. You got to read the word. And let that word sanctify. And so Jesus is praying for us. 
that, he would, that we would be protected, that we would be sanctified. And then number three, I've already hit it, but it's a prayer of incorporation. In other words, he's not just praying. Remember what he said in verse, oh, oh, what, verse, verse 21. I don't pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's, visionary, he's a visionary prayer, and he's looking into, into the future, and he's, he's incorporating future believers in this prayer. He's reaching beyond himself. In fact, it's a, it's a faith prayer because he says, I, pray, I don't pray for these alone, but for those who will believe on me uh, through the preaching of these disciples. And, and he says, they will believe. So he's declaring that future generations are going to believe in the word of God. And so it's a prayer of incorporate. He's not just praying. You know what? Let me, let me just say to you about our little world. How many of you know our little world is just, it's important to God? But how many of you know, it's not all about us. It's about future generations. And just the fact that Jesus says this to God infers and implies the the necessity of us to understand. It's not just about our little world and our, you know, most people think, well, if, you know, if I can get my gas prices down a little bit, I don't care about what happens. But, you know, we just think about our little world. But Jesus had on his mind all the future believers and all the future church, and he's praying for them and, in, and, and involving them in this prayer. It's a prayer of incorporation. He incor- How many of you appreciate the fact that he was thinking about you 2,000-plus years ago? Who See, Jenna, he knew you'd stumble a little, but he said, I have prayed for thee that your faith fail not. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's true. Isn't that right, Cade? He knew you were going to stumble a little bit. But he also knew that, that you would have an opportunity to really make a, 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 a true, genuine commitment to Christ. Thank God. Somebody say, thank God. And you know what? God answers prayer. And if nobody ever prayed for you, Jesus prayed for you 2,000 plus years ago. And hey, remember, he's still praying for us. Amen. It's a prayer of incorporation. But here's a biggie. Number four, it's a prayer of unification. He's praying that they be one. Now, this is big. This is, this, as, I, as I thought through this, I went, man, as he begins to pray this, this is big time. Because let me just read you verse 11 again. Let me get back over to John 17. Uh, verse 11, he, he prays this prayer. He says, I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Everyone say, as we are. He's talking to God. He said that the church might be one just like you and I are one. You get it? Now look down at verse 21 because this gets deep. He says that they also may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and and the glory which you gave me I've given to them that they may be one just as we are one he's hitting it over and over verse 23 I in them and you in me that they may be perfect in what one that the world may know that you've sent me and I've loved them as you've loved me he prays it two or three different ways this thing and he's saying make them one as you and I are one now how many of you could get up here and explain to me uh, in great detail and clarity the trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. You go, that's deep. All separate, but yet all one. 
That's pretty deep. And you know what Jesus prayed? Let the church have that kind of unity with one another. That it's not me and you. It's, it's, it's not like them and us. It's all us. It's the body. You see, when you think about the body, that's a great illustration of unity. You know, when one part of the body starts rebelling and shutting down, the whole body's going to be in trouble, right? It's true, right? And that's the illustration. And he's praying that we would be in unity together because how many of you know that's where God, in fact, Psalm 133, how blessed it is for the brethren to get gathered together in unity. Uh, it says there is where the Lord commands the blessing. And you know what? They started operating in that. The first century disciples, when Jesus left, they got this part down and Jesus began to, his prayers began to be answered because when you look in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, in fact, Acts chapter 1, what does it say? It says they all continued with one accord in prayer. They're praying together. They're in unity together. They're in, <coughs> pardon me, concert and harmony together. They're in one accord. Everyone say one accord. I'm not talking about a Honda vehicle. I'm talking about one accord, being in unity together. And then Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 1, what does it say? It says, uh, when they were praying together, it says they were all in one accord and the Holy Spirit came upon them with great power and authority. Why? Because they were in unity together. That's where God commanded the blessing. Amen. They were with one accord in one place. And he knew that that's what it's going to take for the body to begin to function. You know what? There's been a great challenge to this throughout the ages. That's why we have different splinter groups and different, you know, uh, even different denominations. I'm not saying it's bad. It's probably, uh, you know, uh, just in order for the kingdom of God to continue to function. But how many of you know God wants to bring the body of Christ together in unity and major on the majors and minor on the minors to accomplish his eternal purpose in the earth. Most people spend all their time arguing about the minor issues of life that have nothing to do with God's eternal purpose. Some churches split over the color of the carpet. You know, come on, think about it. I, yeah, I'm leaving. Well, because they didn't do what I wanted. Wait a minute. Uh, we got to be in unity. In fact, as we'll see in a moment, it's for God's great eternal purposes to be accomplished. He prays a prayer of unity. That's why it's so important. In fact, Paul told the Ephesians church uh, in, in, I think, Ephesians 4, he, he talks about being bonded together and, 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 and unity together and working together for the common cause of God's eternal purpose. And then number five, he prays a prayer of perfection. Now, when you think of the word perfection, you think of the word perfect. But in the Greek, it's not what he's talking about. John 17, 23, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. The word perfect really means to complete or to finish. He's praying for the church, that is us, that we would be complete in him and be mature. You could use the word mature. But really, in this context, he's praying that we finish the work that, he's, that we're called to do. In fact, 
Jesus uses the same word when he, as the word perfect in John 17, 4, when he says this, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished, everyone say finished, finished the work which you've given me to do. And now we look down here in verse 23, he's saying that they may be made perfect, that they may be made finit, to finish the work that God's called them to do. Because if we don't finish all the efforts that Jesus went through are in vain. And so he knew that right up front that the church needed, to, needed the unction and the anointing of God and a finisher's heart to be able to finish what was started there in, in, in the ministry of Jesus there on planet earth and now through us throughout all the earth. He prayed that we would finish well. Because he said, I finished this work, and now, Lord, I pray for them that they would finish. Amen. How many of you want to, when you get to the close of your life, you want to be, you want to be able to say, like Paul the Apostle said, I finished my race. In fact, Acts, Paul says this. He says, I want to finish well. I want to complete what God has for me to accomplish. Amen. <laughs> So there you go. Let's go through them. It was a prayer of protection. It was a prayer of sanctification. It was a prayer of incorporation, a visionary prayer for all the peoples that would believe in God. It was a prayer of unification that would stay, stay in harmony and, and in, in common vision together. And it was a prayer of completion or perfection. He prayed these five prayers, but really they're all for one purpose. And this is where it dovetails back into how we pray for our church family because he, as he prayed for us to finish strong, it was really the real, the real evidence that we finish strong is, uh, is really the overarching reason Jesus prayed for his disciples. It's the overarching purpose of all these five prayers. And you'll see it in John 17, 18. He says, as you sent me into the world, I've also sent them. In other words, there is a purpose. And it is for the fulfilling of the great commission. Which is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that he has commanded us. Then he said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, the reason he prayed a prayer of protection and a prayer of sanctification and a prayer of incorporation and unification and perfection is because of the greater purpose. And that is the world needs to be saved. And that's the purpose of the church. Amen. I'm sure Trent hit, hit that pretty, pretty heavy last Wednesday night. In fact, look in verse 21 again and see this big purpose, this overarching purpose. Uh, in verse 21 of John 17, he says this, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Catch this, that they also may be one in us. Why? That the world may believe. You see, God wants to bless us and use us. He wants to protect us and sanctify us and incorporate us, uh, or, or, you know, and, and build the church out into the future and, and unify us and perfect us. Why? For the sake of the whole world. Did you know the church is God's plan A for reaching this world for Christ and there's no plan B? He doesn't have another gospel somewhere in case we don't finish well. This is it. You realize that? We are God's plan A and there is no plan B. He says that the world may believe. 
He goes on to say in verse 23, I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect or complete and finish in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as I have loved you. You see, the overarching purpose, the reason God prayed for the church is not just for the church. It's so the church can fulfill God's eternal purpose in the earth. Amen. You want to know your big purpose in life is to plug into the Great Commission. And to do your part in seeing that this world comes to a saving knowledge of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. Amen. And you know what? That's the mission of the church. How many of you know the mission of the church will never change? God will never come down and say, okay, I'm I'm tweaking this now. It's not to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Now it's to, it will never change. The the mission of the church is the same. It will never change. Now, you you and I need to understand methodology is always up for review. You know, sometimes, you know, there may be some methodology in the past that worked great in the past, but it's not working great now. We've got to be flexible. We've got to be at a place where we, we are listening to the voice of God to give us fresh vision and revelation about how, how we reach our world for Christ. How many of you know there is a key to the hearts of lost people in the earth? You and I just need to pray, God, give me the key. You got somebody in your life that, that is a resistant to the gospel of Jesus? Anybody? Anybody got some people in your life that are resistant? You know what? God will give you a key to their heart. You'll just pray. Say, God, I want to fulfill your kingdom purpose in the earth. Give me creative methodology to get the mission of the church plugged into people's lives amen so he's praying for us today he didn't stop how many of you know that ought to spark us to keep praying in fact the bible teaches us to keep praying right just keep on keeping on you remember what jesus said in john 7 knock and keep on knocking ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking Jesus is still praying for us today. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Wow. He's praying for us right now. Right now. He's praying for And that ought to stir us to be more of a prayer power in the earth today as well. Amen. If he's been praying for you before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, it ought to stir us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and pray for the church family. You know, one of our our five-fold prayer uh, emphasis for the church is that we would get focused on this great commission. You know, I got a feeling John 17 was all about getting us focused. Why does he want to protect us and sanctify us so we could fulfill his kingdom purpose in the earth? Amen. And so tonight, let's, let's stand together. And let's, let's ask God to, to help us to be more of a house of prayer, not only for all nations, but for our own family. Father, tonight, as we have looked at the prayer of Jesus,